Thank you. And thanks for telling the story of the Kenya drum. Um, did you hear that? Did you make it in time to hear the story of the Kenya drum? Yeah, so we built a church. Um, we've actually built several churches there while we've been in Kenya, but one of the years we built a church, and when we were finished, the pastor of the church presented me with this drum, and I thought, well, this is a gift to take home. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. We want you to play it. And so here I am, the whitest boy in Kenya, trying to play this drum as everyone's singing and worshiping, and we just got caught up, and it was a wonderful experience. Well, today's finally the day. We've been talking about Kenya since the beginning of the year. Emails went out, a lot of conversation. Money was raised. Prayers were lifted up. More prayers were lifted up. So much work went into sending our missionaries over to Kenya. So much support was given, and today we finally have the opportunity to hear from our missionaries. So let's welcome up our missionaries. There they are. We're going to take this moment to get settled. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and for joining us, and I think your microphone should be on. We have Brooke, Kathy, we have Charlotte, we have Karen, uh, four of our members of Hope Community Church who went on this trip, uh, some for the first time, some going back. And so we're going to have a very uh, casual conversation in front of all these wonderful people. And our first question for you is why? Why did you go on this mission trip? <laughs> All right, I guess I'm going first. Um, so why did I go on this trip? So obviously this is my second time. Um, most of you know that I went on the trip last year with Corey. Um, and all along, even last year, the reason why I went on this trip was actually because of this one right here next to me. Um, she's wanted to go on mission since she was probably three or four years old. Um, so last year... My husband, Jeff, was a big part in encouraging me to take that time to go on my own without that hat of being mom on the trip. So, um, yeah, so the main reason I went to Kenya is to go as a chaperone and a mom to Brooke and to see her follow God's call. So, as my mom said, I've really always felt called to the mission field. I've always felt very deeply for those who are impoverished, homeless, or just don't know the Lord. And ever since I was little, I just remember always praying for them. And this trip specifically, I remember in sixth grade, we had a health project where we like wrote a timeline for our life. And on there, I put this trip, and this was the year I finally got to go. Awesome. We're good. I think I've always been drawn to the idea of going on a missions trip because I really just, I just love helping others. I think you can always do it in your community, but this was just another opportunity to get out there and do something. Like, I think um, in school, I like, you know, I hold doors. Right. I like go after school and help in the band room. It just really... It just really enlightens me to help others. It's yeah. a great feeling. I think, I don't know, I think it was just a great experience for me to go out. Um, and then, of course, my dad did it seven years ago. Seven? Yeah. Wow. So it was kind of like, it kind of felt like 
would be going home. Yeah. <laughs> and I committed to going to this trip because Charlotte wanted to go on the trip. Um, and she wanted to go in 2022, but we felt like we were rushing that decision a little bit, so we asked her to pump the brakes, um, and she didn't relent in wanting to go for 2023, and even though my husband, treasurer Josh, um, went seven years ago, um, I just felt strongly that if Charlotte goes, I go. Yeah. So the trip itself is, of course, challenging, to say the least, uh, but did you face any challenges in the months leading up to your departure? So I'll just jump in and get used to the microphone. Um, my challenge was internal because I was reluctant to join the team. Right. So I joined mostly because Charlotte was spearheading the charge. Um, and so honestly, I went into the first couple of team meetings feeling as if maybe I didn't have the credibility to be on the team mm. or the strength to be on the team. Um, but it was so cool because God was so gracious. During our second meeting, we went around the room and um, shared a little bit whether it was our first trip or fourth trip or 10th trip. And several of the people said that their first year, they didn't want to go. They yeah. just felt like they were really stepping outside their comfort zone. Right. And then two of those individuals said that their first trip, which they're now on their like fifth trip, ninth trip, but their first trip they went because their teenager really wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was so gracious of God to kind of normalize that. Um, and so I was able to kind of lay that challenge to rest, that I was a member of the team. I wasn't going to be the weak link right, right. that God got me to be on the team however he chose, and he chose through Charlotte. Right, so, right. Yeah. Anyone else want to respond to that, challenges leading up to the trip? I think my, so I had a little bit of an internal challenge too, but mine was more that I felt like I was being a bit underestimated Oh. Just for my age, right. like I felt like when I told people I was going to Kenya on this missions trip, it like maybe they felt like it was more of like a vacation for me. Like I wasn't okay. going to take it seriously. Right, right, right. Even though like I think for me my whole mindset was just going on, going there to help people and love on people and share God with people. Right. So it wasn't even like in my mind like even knowing that we were going to have like a safari the first two days, it wasn't that. I just wanted right. to go. And yeah. I wanted to do the work. Hmm. Yeah, and for us, um, I don't think we had very many challenges leading up. I had a friend who had wanted to go as well with her teenage daughter, and they had some roadblocks set before them and chose to skip this year and care for people back home. But we didn't really have anything. It seemed like everything kind of unfolded um, with no obstacles or roadblocks along the way. Great. All right, so was it what you were expecting it to be? How did your experiences in Kenya line up with your expectations? So I went into this with a pretty open mind and didn't have many expectations for the trip. And, like, I didn't look into it too far. Like, I knew from the stories that my mom told me from the previous trip. But, well, I guess the one expectation was, like, that things would go smoothly and if anyone who read the blog or knew about that, we had some roadblocks. But right. other than that, it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I'll go into some of those roadblocks. I don't know how many people uh, read the blog or anything. But yeah, I kind of went into it expecting that a lot of it would 
roll the same as it did last year. Um, we were doing some of the, most of the same projects, like the vision clinics and the water filters. Um, we added a little bit of construction and demolition this year, so that was a little bit different. But um, like Brooke mentioned, and on our first day when we were supposed to do a vision clinic and water filter distrib distribution, um, we came up with some resistance from the community health department and actually paused, delayed, interrupted, um, and ultimately canceled that day of work, which was completely out of the ordinary compared to last year. And um, it kind of just gave us a glimpse into some of the obstacles that Bill and Chat, who are the missionaries that live there full time and right. run Start With One Kenya, um, probably come up with. And we don't really get to see that side of things because usually everything's planned and prepared and everything. We just jump in and we do the work, right? And so to see that side of miscommunication and breakdown between the powers that be right. uh, was different for us. And um, when we were on mission, I mean, you just, you're there to do the work, right, Charlotte? And so it felt very um, discouraging to be there and to want right. to do the work and not be able to do what we came and we planned to do. So the way that we reacted wasn't the most pure at first. I feel like sure. there was some anger, some bitterness, disappointment, and the way um, we responded was to circle up in prayer and just take it to God, which was really a beautiful thing. And a lot of people wanted to go and get some ice cream or some milkshakes afterward to kind of take the edge off of that disappointment. But um, there were also demonstrations, political demonstrations in the city. So okay. our drivers were like, no, we cannot go through the city today. We need to go around and take the long way. And so there was no escape into sugar for a little dopamine rush after that. Right. But it gave us all time to kind of just sit with that disappointment and really pray about it. And um, for those of you who did read the blog, I led Devos that night, which was a little bit of a challenge. But um, ultimately, we just kind of learned that even though we weren't working, God was. And to truly trust and rely on him and understand that he's in control. And it did un unravel and unfold that God really was working behind the scenes. We had so many confirmations from a variety of sources, both in the USA and in Kenya, and people who didn't even know what was going on who were praying for us. And um, ultimately, those authorities not only got on board and gave us the permissions, but they actually apologized yeah. to start with One Kenya. And um, we know that God is opening doors to even greater ministry well, because go. of it. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And I know a lot of you are reading along with the blog, but there is this, I guess we'll, there would be a temptation. I mean, there you go, and you're there to help, and you're there to serve. I mean, you're literally there to uh, administer some health care, improve people's lives, and the Kenyan government is saying, well, no, we don't know about this, and we might need to shut this down. And so, you know, for those of us reading along, I think we had a, you know, a distant but similar experience of, I can't believe this. I mean, they're just there to help. Why would something get in the way? And so to be able to kind of pivot and fight that, you know, inclination to have a lousy attitude and maybe redirect energy and see what's God going to do through this situation. You know, you read the book of Acts, you read about these missionary journeys and how many of them were messed up. You know, something goes wrong, somebody's prevented from traveling when they were supposed to, but yet God creates 
another opportunity. And to hear that days later, what was canceled was able to be picked up, resumed, and cherry on top to receive that, that apology and that you know, understanding from the organization that, that kind of prevented things in the first place. It's pretty wild, pretty wild. Anybody else want to respond to that? How was the trip? Was it what you were expecting it to be? I think for me, I also didn't have, you know, a lot of expectations, right. good or bad, going into it. Um, there were some things like what Kathy mentioned that were really unexpected. I think something else that I didn't expect, and I think some of us could agree, is like the the culture barrier. It was a little like. Partly, it partly was expected, like, you know, you're going into a foreign country, but it was a little, like, felt a little insurmountable at first. Right. Because, like, um, you know, some people, I think the majority do understand some English, but, like, some, you know, just don't. And so you're not sure how to connect and communicate, like, what you're there for. Right. Um, I think some things I did expect was obviously just to do a lot of the missions work to get there and do a lot of work. I also, um, this wasn't really an expectation of any sort, but I was very like nervous before like first times during the trip, like my yeah. first time doing a water filter presentation or like when we went to the Ngala School for the Deaf, which was even harder to communicate. Oh yeah. Because, you know, um, we would be like, trying to write to them and they'd be trying to sign to us. Um, but yeah, I think, I think overall, I just expected to be there to do the work, um, which, which we were able to do yeah. for the most part. Just briefly, I mean, I've heard about this trip for 10 years, so it was right. really cool to experience it and take all the stories and all the blog posts and photos over all the 10 years um, and just experience that. So it did meet my expectation. The only thing that didn't is this photo up here. So you do all the team building with 16 people on the team for months in advance. But then you go over there and you add in Bill and Chat. Right. You add in all the drivers. You add in at least, on average, what, 15 university students every single day. They're on break right now. Okay. So if they're part of the educational program, they served with us. They traveled in the vans with us. Like, there is such a sense of community. You're eating meals together, you're praying together, you're serving together, you're, I just, that did, I did not expect that. It's such a large community. And it wasn't just the 16 of us that went over. Right. So over the course of the trip, you shared a lot of experiences together. Is there one significant experience you would like to share with your church family? I'm just going to build on what um, Karen was saying about the community, and I think both years that I've traveled now, I've just been disarmed with that welcoming, inviting culture that we feel, not only by the people we're working with, but um, by the Kenyan culture in general. Um, so like every morning we get up, we circle up, we pray, the SWAC students just wrap us in a warm embrace to start our day. Um, when we arrive somewhere that's always with a warm welcome, usually a speech and a prayer, and then before we leave at the end of the day, the leader will also speak an eloquent message of gratitude over us and, and pray a blessing over us. And, and then even riding back in the safari vans, 
little children will like run along the roadside yelling mzungu and waving at us. And that word mzungu is a Swahili word. And last year I had thought that mzungu meant like white person. And I was misunderstood and chat actually corrected me this year and she said I'm not the only one who mistranslated that word but mzungu actually means visitor. And so when I learned that I'm like ah that makes so much sense now because I feel like in Kenya, um, people who come are not foreigners, they're not aliens, they're not intruding on their time, um, and they're not a threat, but they're visitors, they're people to be celebrated, to welcome, to cherish that time together with some hospitality, some conversation, and to really just let them linger as long as that visit lasts. And so I feel like, um, that Mzungu mindset is something that I try to bring back with me to America, and it's hard. <laughs> right. um, it's uncomfortable at first when we get there, but it's contagious, and it's something that when it's time to say goodbye at the end of our two weeks, it's really hard to realize, like, okay, no, um, we're going back now, and like to really hold on to that Mzungu mindset is, I don't know, important to me. Right. Right. I don't think I can pick one instance, but I can definitely recognize like a shared aspect or a sensation that kept popping up throughout uh, the trip wherever we went. And that was like the recognition of how much our presence in Kenya meant to the people in Kenya. Um, I think during the trip, this was really evident when we went to the Ngala School for the Deaf. Um, when my mom and I met the boys that we sponsored, Daniel and Josiah, Mm -hmm. um, especially the day we had to leave and like um, at all the vision clinics and the, um, the water filter presentations. Like at the Ingala school, like no matter how big the barrier of communication is, they'll still try to sign to you. Right. Like even if they, they probably know that you can't sign back. Right. But like they just want to connect with you so much and you know that you just mean so much to them. Like I got so many kids writing like, I love you. Like, mm. I'm so happy you're here, and I'm like, oh. I just didn't, like, I just didn't expect that at first. Um, but it was really wonderful. Um, and when we met Daniel and Josiah, they were like, I think we're going to touch on this later, about sponsorships, but they were just so genuinely happy that someone cared for them enough to show up. Yeah. And for people in Kenya, sometimes that's like, Oftentimes, I think that's a really big thing because, like, you've got kids who, like, might have family issues because a lot of families are struggling. The kids might be on the streets. They might not know their families that well. So right. for, like, sponsored kids, that's, like, a big thing, and it was for ours. Um, at the vision clinics and for the water filter presentations, um, a lot of the times, so we got a translation. We we got a translation. Right. People would tell us they tell us mungu akubariki, which means God bless you, and they don't use that lightly. But they'll like come up and like grasp your hand and be like mungu akubariki, because they're just so grateful that you're there and providing for them. Yeah. Because they know like we came all this way, so we're not here for nothing. Um, and then the day we had to leave, of course, that was like really touching to me because um, like my mom mentioned with like the community that we built with Bill and Chat 
and the Swak family, it was like so hard to leave them because um, in, in Kenya, no connection that you make is just like, it's not like, like surface level. They're very mm -hmm. intentional with everything, like every conversation. So you just, in those two weeks, you get to know those people way more than you might for like right. two years for like people here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you have these cultural differences and, you know, it seems that overall in Kenya, the people there value presence more than, as in being present, um, more than perhaps we do. And uh, sometimes we talk about the ministry of presence, just being there with one another, just whether you're, you're celebrating with someone or crying with someone or whatever it is, but just being physically present with someone. And so often, I think that's a struggle because it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Like, what am I, do I want to do something for you. I want to give you some water or, or help you in some way, but no, just be here. And especially with the children, just be here and let's color a picture together. Let's smile together. Let's wiggle our eyebrows. There's a lot of eyebrow communication in Kenya. Did you notice that? I got along fine there. Just a lot of that, right? But um, just to be present can bring a smile to, and it's, it's mutual to have that just smile pass back and forth. It's a wonderful thing. All right. How has this trip changed the way you think about poverty? I don't know. We, I, I keep wrestling with it, but I think yeah. we heard while we were over there that poverty just looks different. It looks different than any poverty, poverty's around us in America and locally and whatnot. But I just feel like it, it's so much more apparent. There aren't fail safes. There aren't like for emergencies. There is no government support. There is no, I asked somebody at some point, are there like food banks? And they said, not really. So you're really dependent upon your family. And I believe like your neighborhood, your village, your community. Um, and I just, so our team was able to meet one need, I think under that category. Um, we had excess team funds as a team of 16. We raised above and beyond what we needed. But we use every single one of those funds the year that we travel. So um, Bill and Chad had the idea. We bought staples. We bought soap, rice, mm -hmm. beans, like corn flour, just the basic necessities. And then we went to a Kenyan church service on Sunday. I think it was the church that y'all built. Oh, nice. Yeah, helped to build. And um, afterward, we stood in a line outside with just all of these basic needs. And so Pastor Joseph invited each family member or each family household to come through the line with a bag and we filled their bags. Mm. So Charlotte and I were in charge of soap. We looked them straight in the eye. We said, God bless you. Put the soap in the bag. They went down the line, went down the line. So Pastor Joseph told Bill a couple of days after and Bill shared with us, he heard from three different families that they had not had any food in three days. Yes, yes. I just can't even imagine not having anything. Right. And no way to just get it in the neighborhood. I mean, that Blessing Bags program is amazing. You're right. doing the same thing locally. Right. So I'm still wrestling with it. It just, it looks different. Poverty looks different. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And, you know, without making ourselves feel unnecessarily and unproductively guilty. I mean, we can't complain about stuff and we can feel like, well, why do other people get to go on these vacations? Why do other people have a bigger house? Why? So hang on a second. 
you consider what poverty looks like in our country, but then you compare it to you know, some of what you see in Kenya, and it is, it is a startling perspective that we get on, on what it looks like, what real need looks like. Anyone else want to speak to that? So the people there are like so extremely impoverished. They have inadequate shelter, little or no food, and water that for us would be undrinkable. But even though their life is so much harder because of this, it doesn't crush their spirits. Rather, it makes them even more grateful to receive aid. They're so much more expressive of their joy and they really cling to their faith and rely on God for everything. And I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna just say something similar to what Brooke. So the pictures you see here um, are in Gitsawamba, which is an IDP camp, which stands for Internally Displaced Persons. So we were able to go to Gitwamba, um, which is a school that this team built as well, I think, or at least poured the foundation in a barn to become a school about nine years ago, I believe. And so we go back every year, usually pouring concrete to expand the school, but also this year, this home, this mud hut, belongs to a woman in the village. They call her a shosh, which is like a term of endearment for an elderly woman in the neighborhood, kind of like a matriarch kind of a person who has a lot of respect and a lot of love um, that goes both ways between the community. So this shows um, not only about 10 years ago had to flee her first home um, under the threat of violence and civil unrest um, and come to Gitawamba, which is extremely dry. She had to learn how to farm there and was given, would they say, six posts and a roof and um, a door and built this mud hut. But over the past nine years, the termites have gotten a hold of that mud hut and the walls were crumbling. So it came to the point where it was too dangerous for her to live there, so she had to pack up and go live with some neighbors and um, Bill and Chat were made aware of this, and so one of our jobs was to fully tear down this house mm -hmm. and haul off the dirt to the edge of her property in preparation for new walls to be erected. Um, this mm -hmm. time they'll be metal, so hopefully yeah. they'll be termite-proof. Um, not too great for keeping out the hot air in the summer sun, but um, it will be a little bit more sturdy. But um, So yeah, so the level of poverty, obviously, like it's a little different than the housing that people in Delaware County can get over in Woodland. Um, right. This is the subsidized housing in Kenya. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to the next slide, though, it'll speak to that um, joy that these families and these individuals have in Kenya, which is amazing. So at some point during the day, these little children came out and started hauling off the dirt with us. We didn't know who they were. They didn't really speak um, any English. Uh, every time we carried a pile of, a lump of dirt to the yard, they would stand in the distance and say, hello, hello. Like literally every time back and forth, you'd have to say, hello, and go get another lump of dirt. Um, but eventually they started carrying it with us, and these are like little bitty babies, you know? And so they, we let them carry with us, even though sometimes Bill and Chad are like, this little kid shouldn't be in the work site. But um, 
they wanted to help. So, and they took pride in their work. And this woman, who is the homeowner, she was sitting off to the side on the stoop of her cooking kitchen, I would call it, which is also crumbling. But she was just looking on, overseeing our work, um, usually with a smile on her face. I don't think she spoke much English either. But at the end of the day, you can see the skeleton of her house behind her. And just she's just beaming with joy and pride and gratitude. And um, just was so thankful for not having a house, <laughs> um, right. to put it, I don't know. It's kind of like a paradox to look at that picture of just how happy she is and how sparse her property is right now. Um, and it just, I think it just defines like that hope and that gratitude and um, reliance on God and just seeing him work and just experiencing his blessing in that moment. Um, I also wanted to add like, that's not a happily ever after photo because just beyond that house is her cornfield which about two weeks before we visited was green and lush and thriving. And on this day when we drove through Gitsuamba, chat was brought to sobbing because the corn in all of Gitsuamba is yellow. Okay. It's about, the cobs are about this big mm. um, and it's about to be harvested. So they're gonna be hungry. Um, they lose the money they invested to plant that crop. They're not gonna make an income on selling it and they're not gonna have the food to feed their families. So part of what our church is offering goes to support is a feeding program at that school where the children who attend do get a hot lunch each day. And Bill and Chat shared that a lot of those kids will eat a small bit of that lunch and take the rest home to their families to share for dinner. So um, that feeding program is gonna be even more important this year okay. for us all to support and with you add in the rising costs of inflation, right? Um, it's even more important. That's good to know. And we'll we'll touch base with Bill and Chat to figure out what the new numbers are. What we were giving as a church to feed the kids in Gitsuamba, I think it covered more than a month of of feedings at, at least at one point in time. But now there are more kids, and the costs have gone up. And so we'll want to just kind of talk into our treasurer right now. We'll want to take a look at those numbers as we go into that year because we want to continue to take care of our family and get to Wamba there. Um, let's see. Uh, did you want to respond to that, Charlotte? You good? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you're back now. All right. Do you feel challenged to live any, any differently now that you're back home? And if so, how? Charlotte, turn this off. Uh, mine's really brief. I just feel incredibly great, Sid, and there's clean, trusted water coming out of it. Right. Just immense gratitude. I think um, the first thing that I kind of thought about was like telling people about the trip because, you know, like the simple awareness that you can get from that is always helpful. There have been, I think I've found, I think God has taught me, like when I was talking um, to, the, to my friends in band, I think the people that I thought would be the least interested were like the most interested. Mm -hmm. So kind of just like, you know, tell people whenever you can, wherever you can. Yeah. Like just don't discriminate because you never know. Um, Good point. I, I definitely, like my mom said, a lot more grateful for just what I've been given. I think leading up to the trip too, I was like, I know like people 
in Kenya are not going to have like what I have, um, which is really hard. Like ever since I've got back, it's like whenever I have like food, I'm like people probably don't have this for yeah. like even a week. They probably have like less than this for for a week, which is like super hard. I just struggle with that a lot, but um, I think it's more important to like just get out there and do something, yeah. which is why we have the feeding program and why we plan to support that. I've also appreciated like um, reaching out to my friends a lot more since we got back. It yeah. was such like an intentional country, so I think I've been even more intentional with like relationships since I got back. Um, I'm also, Brooke and I are in communication with like several of the university students we met. Okay. And every day I kind of just like get like the like, we miss you, but it's not even like that simple. It's like so like, like you just like, they, they really miss us over yeah. there. They're really grateful that we came. And it always makes me grateful that I went, you yeah. know, whenever they text. Um, I think so, and I think Miss Kathy and Brooke might also touch on this, but we had, I'm probably not the best person to explain it, but we had this little thing in a small group once, one of our team members, Dr. Chris, he challenged us, challenged us all to work on some trait that we thought was holding us back from doing even more, hmm. like being the best person we could be for God. And mine was hesitancy. I felt like um, if someone could do it better or if I didn't think I could do it well, yeah. I, like, wouldn't even want to try. Uh -huh. But, like, through, like, the water filter presentations, getting practice with, like, speaking, um, which is kind of helping today, and, like, just all the things that we did over there, like, experiences that I wouldn't have normally gotten, I think I've been a lot less hesitant. Mm -hmm. I think... I've been seeing that, but we continue working on those. So yeah, going back to what you said earlier too, my word was presence, Yeah. which I feel like I kind of, yeah, I saw that in the people there, like they have the time to spend with you. Whereas I, like there'd be times when I was just like checking what time it was, like thinking about how much longer are we here and then right. what happens next. And so I tried to stop doing that and just focus on, like, being in the moment and paying attention to what happens now. And then another thing was, I know Charlotte said it a couple times, but being intentional with my, the conversations I have, the time I'm spending with people, like, just to not do things superficially, like, yeah. hey, how are you doing? But, like, not really caring. Right. Like, Which is what we do in America. How are you doing? Good, good. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Since we're sharing all of our words, um, my word that I shared with our group was sloth, um, <laughs> which a lot of people thought was kind of strange, but to give it context, um, I think it kind of ties into sort of like what Charlotte was saying about it's just hesitating and like staying aside and letting someone else step in and do the work if you feel like they could do it better mm -hmm. um, or have more experience. And, um, and even just, I think a lot of times in my life, like I'll have an idea to do something, but then when I start 
laying out what it takes to accomplish that, it intimidates me. Yeah. And I step back and I don't do it. They don't follow it through. So it's for me, um, seeing what has been accomplished in Kenya and is still being accomplished um, with Bill and Chat, like he literally started with one. He started with himself. He started right. with one person. Um, started with one idea, and they have this, you know, these huge teams. They have multiple teams that come to help. They have all these university students. They've raised so many students to go through education and now are in university and are going to be probably world leaders or if not leaders in Kenya. Yes. And um, so just to see the impact that actually doing the work that God calls you to do, yeah. um, it challenges me to, to do that, to do the work. That's great. And I hope, we're, I hope we're all hearing this because I feel like these are some universal things that a lot of us Christians, at least American Christians, struggle with. You know, there's this idea of leaning into your gifting, which I'm all about. Like if God has gifted you, you're excellent at something right away. Yeah, great. Do that thing. But there's also the value of stepping out of your comfort zone, seeing what you are capable of, not giving yourself the excuse of somebody else could do it better. But then this idea of having an idea, having a vision, having a calling, and being willing to see it through, to put in the work. Again, how many ideas do we have or we, we feel like I want to go on a mission trip or I want to do something for my neighbor and we talk ourselves out of it. We think, well, this is too tough or I don't have the time or whatever it is. And we have this fear of failure that so many of us struggle with, but we also have a fear of success. Well, what if I go to Kenya? What if I start this missionary program? And what if it works? And that's who I am and that's my life. Well, what a wonderful life that would be. And so I hope we're all hearing these things because it's so much of what we struggle with here is that hesitation or we make these excuses for ourselves and we need to push through and just do it and see it, see it through. Thank you for sharing that. That's helpful. Yeah. It's on. Oh, there we go. We also, real fast, I just remembered, um, Dr. Chris challenged us. We had name tags every day. Brooke and I were like pretty much in charge of that. Um, Dr. Chris challenged us to write our word on our name tag the next day for everyone to see. So um, Brooke was like Brooke Presence, and I was Charlotte Hesitancy, and she was Kathy Sloth. And I kind of forget yours. Yeah, sorry. I bet everyone could guess it. Fear. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of like, it was, it was definitely a challenge, and we were definitely, I think, it helped us be more of aware of it. I remember personally for me that that was the one day that I, um, usually in the vision clinics I worked in post-screening, but then that day I was stationed in pre-screening, which I like hadn't done. And then after that, I went behind the curtain with Dr. Chris and um, Dr. Erica, and I was definitely not there either before, so I was like, right. wait. Um, and one of the university students, Emmanuel, who was working with Erica, he like kept on like trying to like teach me things that Erica taught him. And then he was like, you got to repeat it back to me. Like, what did I just teach you? And so at the end of the day, I was like, thank you for challenging me with my hesitancy. Because like he made me do so many things. <laughs> he, wanted me to, he wanted me to use the tool that they used to poke their eyes. I was like, no. There's, so, a, there's a limit, right? That was, that was healthy hesitancy, and I did not end up doing that, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. That's great. 
All right. Uh, Karen and Charlotte, so you got to meet the students that you sponsor through SWAC, um, their educational program. Uh, would you like to share any of those details? Yeah, for sure. So I know I'm not alone. I'm looking out over the congregation. And I know um, Hope has about a dozen families that already sponsor students through the educational program. So um, the top left and the bottom is Daniel. That's Daniel? Been, that is Daniel. He's, he's very in ninth, tall. <laughs> he's in ninth grade. Um, Do you remember when you met him? Like this, uh, uh -huh. Yes, Josh okay. got to meet him seven years ago. We've been sponsoring him for about nine years. Um, and he originally came into the program as a street boy. So he does not have a family. He was living on the street. So um, us sponsoring him at that time not only gave him um, enough money for um, the educational fees, but also just basic provision. And then um, when Josh went seven years ago, we really felt led to just sponsor another student. That was just something that we both were in alignment about. And so we learned about Josiah, who is up there on the right. Um, and um, for Josiah, it was mostly about the school fees that his family could not afford. He does still have a family. Um, and it was just such a joy to meet them finally. Um, so the educational system in Kenya, so it's available to everyone, but it is not affordable for everyone. And if you cannot afford the school fees, you do not go to school. Right. And as Bill, I think, summed it up pretty simply, education equals options. Right. You have options. Those families in Gitawamba would have an option had they had the schooling, had they you know, had jobs that their, their education could afford them. So um, we came back knowing that SWAC is desperate for educational sponsors right now. They have 19 students right now waiting for sponsors that if they do not get sponsorship, they will not continue in their education. Um, so we know that we've been doing it in small circles, so I'll just say to you, and you can spread the word, um, they need more educational sponsors, and for those of you that don't already know, um, it's $65 a month. There's a one-time startup fee just to give them basic school supplies, um, and then you get to hear from them several times a year, pictures, um, letters back and forth. Uh, chat does a great job with Grace, who heads up their educational program, just keeping us in touch. Um, it obviously was a joy to meet them, and I know many of you out there have already met your sponsored kids, but we've tried, FaceTime did not work this year, but there were some FaceTimes last year when the team went. Um, it's just such a need. I, all I can say is think about it, pray about it. If it's something that you feel that you can do or you know other people that would be interested, please spread the word. You can let any of us know if you don't already have um, any contact information from SWAC. Let any of our leadership know, and we'll put you in touch, because there's 19 students next year that need sponsorship. And what we'll do is we'll get an email out this week, and so if you're on our email list, you'll get that. If you're not, just email us, info at hopeccdelco.com. We'll get an email out. We'll include that information. We'll include the blog if people want to catch up on that, and we'll include this this time as well, so we can do that. Great? Great. All right, now, since, uh, since the pandemic, um, it's really been one year at a time, our missions trips, like trying to figure out, is this going to happen, and who's going to lead, and is it going to happen again this year? As far as we know, at this point in time, there's going to be another trip in 2024, and so if there's someone right here in this room, and if they're feeling like they should be a part of that 2024 trip to Kenya, what advice would you give them? I would say if you're feeling led to go, then go. Even if it's frightening or uncomfortable, 
the people you will meet, the conversations you will have, the experiences you will share, and the lives you will change make it worth it. So my advice is don't overthink it. Okay. Um, <laughs> God might be speaking to you right now. Um, maybe he's spoken to you in the past, but you've squashed that idea like a cockroach in your bedroom. You can ask me about that one later. Um, you probably won't hear an audible voice from God telling you to go to Kenya, but you might get a sense that you should be on that team. And I just heard a little Devo on Caleb the other day about if you start to overthink it, you'll find a reason to talk yourself out of yes. it. Um, so stop thinking about it. And you can pray about it. You can journal about it. Take your fears, your thoughts, your hopes, your dreams, your anxieties to God and let him sort that out. And in the meantime, I encourage you to take some sort of step of obedience, whether it's um, talking to us more about our stories, coming to the next talk back, which will be at Bethlehem Church in September. Um, you could apply for your passport if you don't have one. Start saving up your PTO or meeting with your medical doctor to see if this is a possibility for you. Um, and just, I think for me, a big one was blocking off these dates in July now so that your family vacation right. does not fall at the same time next year. So you can say yes. Um, so, and also if you have someone in your family who wants to go, I think something you can do is to create space and permission and give them your blessing to go and start thinking about how you can support them from home and making sure that they don't have fears or anxieties about going to Kenya and all the things that they typically do when they're home. So creating that space so that your loved one can go on the trip. Great. I think um, kind of going back full circle to what I said in the beginning about age, um, if you are younger, I think like don't let anybody tell you you can't yeah. just because you are young. If your parents, if your parents for some reason don't want you to go on the trip, I'm not endorsing you like running away <laughs> to the airport. So don't run away. I'm Kenya. saying, okay. <laughs> but I am saying that your age and your experiences won't define you in Kenya because you'll gain so many more experiences and so much wisdom there. And because what really matters is how you carry the Holy Spirit and choose to help others. Um, generally, general advice, I think if you feel led, try not to hesitate. Um, don't hesitate, pray on it. Um, our whole team learned you gotta worry less and you gotta pray more. Pray more. Um, when you're praying, you can't, you can't worry, you can't do both. So it's, it's better to do the one over the other. Um, if you go, I don't think you'll regret it. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was an amazing experience. I can't compare to any other. Um, but yeah, like, like Miss Kathy said, there are also really big beetles there. <laughs> but so just like you have you have doors to yeah you have doors to lock them out, <laughs> and it, it helps if there's someone on your team to like squash them. Squashing. <laughs> this was this was a very memorable night, by the way. If you can't tell, this was. If you can squash bugs, we need you on your team. Yeah. <laughs> we need some bug but, squashers. Um, Otherwise, just say yes to God and say no to 
all marriage proposals you may or may not receive while you're there. Because oh, you will receive them. You will receive them. <laughs> they said all the eloquent stuff. I don't need to repeat it. I think um, I've had the question since I've been back numerous times. Would you go again? I think because everybody knew I was pretty honest about my reluctance. Yes, I would go again. So don't, I would just say if you are even considering it, just continue to consider it. What Kathy said is true. Don't overthink it. Just take a step of obedience, whether that's having a conversation with someone or praying more about it or, you know, just entertaining some of the the options that um, lay ahead, just step out of the boat to use the Christianese. Yep, yep. Yep. Is it on? There we go. Um, Just in closing of that whole idea of maybe it's your turn to come, I think that God will lead you, whether it's to Kenya or some other way or place to serve him. And I just wanted to share Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Thank you. That's great. Now, I want to talk to the four of you and no one else, so this is for the four of you. Um, you are all members of Hope Community Church. You've been members of other churches in the past, and you're all familiar with Acts 2 and really just the whole book of Acts. Um, and so you go back to Acts 2, and you read about what the church was and how it started and how it was always supposed to be. Here's what I want to encourage the four of you to do. Take your experience that you've just had in Kenya and use that experience as your point of reference for what it means to be the church. What we're doing here, having a worship service, this is important, this is great, this is wonderful, but use your experience as your point of reference. This is what it means to be the church. You literally woke up, you woke up, you woke up, you were led by the Spirit, and Bill and Chat, you went to the place, you had all things in common, That's what it means to be the church. And so the challenge is to live that out now in our American culture. Let's give our missionaries a round of applause. You can come on down. Yeah, you can come down. Yep. Thank you. The scripture reading that we heard earlier today was Jesus talking about how when we serve the least of these, we're actually serving him. And so as uh, we shared here this morning, there's plenty of needs in Kenya. There's plenty of needs everywhere you look. You don't have to look far to find somebody who's in need. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a spiritual need. Maybe it's an emotional need. Maybe just someone needs your presence with them. And so what I encourage you to do is find a way to be a missionary, have a missionary mindset, a missional mindset wherever you go. And keep in mind that when we take care of people who are in need, we're really, truly serving Jesus. Let's stand together as we close out our worship time in prayer. Father, we thank you again. We thank you for who you are and all that you've done for us. And Father, you've given us an abundant life. You've given us access to this abundant life, a life that's that just has no fear in it, where there's no hesitation, where it's just serving you, being present with one another, loving one another. And so, Father God, we pray that you would allow us to live into that abundant life that you've offered to each one of us. Let us worship you. Let us serve you. Let us celebrate you. Let us take care of one another. Father God, once again, we thank you for giving us a time to have a worship service, but now this worship service is over. We pray that our worship of you would continue. Father God, let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you by the way that we love and serve one another, by the way that we love and serve you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.